It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, this is Cork Today with Patricia Messenger. On the home of Cork's greatest hits. Cork's greatest hits. Cork's, Cork's, Cork's. A very good morning to you. Not the best of weather forecasts. The best thing to do, I think, today is to try to stay indoors. Hopefully you've all survived Storm Callum. I know there's a lot of areas uh, in our franchise area that are without power this morning. Our sympathies are with you. And I know, listen to the news there, the ESB crew, some of them are already out and others are waiting because obviously conditions are still bad. They've got to wait for conditions to ease off, particularly uh, parts of West Cork, I imagine, are going to be without power for, for certainly enough another few hours because the wind's still very, very high in parts of West Cork. And as of now, we've been told electricity outages still exist in Ahakista, Castletown Bear, Ballydehob, Church Cross near Skibbereen, Kinsale, Timaleague, Coppeen, Bailnablaw, Kildare, Rochestown, Mitchellstown and parts of uh, Charleville. I know parts of Mallow were without power this morning. I'm assuming they're all. We're certainly back on here at the radio station. We were without power earlier. So I take it from that list that uh, Mallow has been sorted out. And uh, we think of all of the ESB network uh, workers today who have to go out in some atrocious conditions. Stay safe, uh, guys, and thank you. We appreciate all the work they're doing and the council staff uh, and all the other emergency services who were on standby last night while we were tucked up in our beds listening to the winds howling. There was some people that had to be out in it and if not out in it, on standby to head out into it. So we, you know, hand, round of applause and hands up and uh, we, we appreciate each and every one of our emergency services. Now we've had a report in of due to storm damage the water treatment plant some uh, low levels in Fremont Reservoir this, this morning and as a result of that Customers in high areas will be experiencing water disruptions today. So if you if you get your water from the Fremont Reservoir and you're in a high area and you're wondering what's going on with your tap, that's what it is. There's storm damage. They're working to correct that. And Cork County Council and Irish Water apologise for any inconvenience uh, caused. And lots of people I know on the breakfast show with Simon this morning have been really good. People have been out and about ringing us and letting us know if there's trees down, if there's particularly tricky driving conditions 
when it's safe to do so, text or pull in, make that phone call, let us know so that we can pass it on to other listeners and we will do that throughout the morning. We'll keep people updated on any roads that might, there might be a tree down and the road is blocked, etc. Any of that kind of information, get it into us either into John Paul, 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp me here to the studio 0862103103. And can I start with a text that I'm assuming came in yesterday but it's been relayed on to me here in the programme let's see if we can help out a listener she doesn't want her name read out which is fine and fingers crossed every now and again we get what we call in the programme little miracles when things happen we're looking for a little miracle here a lady has contacted us to say uh, for to people in the Canturk area did anybody find an engagement ring she says I lost my mother's engagement ring at the back of the super value car park she thinks is where she lost the ring at about 10.45am so I take it that was 10.45am yesterday morning. It's her mother's engagement ring. It's of huge sentimental value as this Saturday is her 40th anniversary. This lady who's contacted us said that she's absolutely heartbroken at losing her mum's engagement ring. She appreciates it's a long shot, but she's hoping that some honest person out there picked up that ring and has been desperately trying to find out who was the owner of the ring. Now, as you say, she's quite specific in that she lost it at the back of the Super Value uh, car park. So if anybody was doing shopping... In the, at the Super Value car park for whatever reason did you spot an engagement ring if not now I'm sure she's gone back and she's scanned the entire car park if people could keep a look out for it we have the ladies uh, contact details if anybody's found that engagement ring or you heard of somebody who says oh guess what I found a ring uh, the other day could you contact us please as I say it's one of those little miracles that we're hoping for and it would be nice to get one on a Friday particularly the fact that tomorrow is this lady's mum's 40th anniversary we want to try and get that ring back to her please. Now we've got lots of good news stories on the programme today because we've got competitions we have our final day of our Dano Centra Maxwell Spa Glen Mallow competition celebrating 30 years serving the community and we have our final 100 euro Dano Centra gift card and a Dano 50 euro Maxol gift card to give away. Again, as we've been doing all week, we do it with the shopping list. I'll call out my shopping list and then you've got 30 seconds. And people have been getting better at this, I tell you, as the week went on. Yesterday, we had, to, we had a tie. We had to put both of our callers' names into the hat and pick out our winner that way. So people are getting better. At the beginning of the week, people were finding it a little bit tricky, but certainly as the week has gone on, uh, people are getting way, way better at it. You'll have an opportunity to take part later on in the programme and then each and every hour you'll be listening out for this sound effect (laughs) the cackle of a witch okay I will play that again sometime between now and 11 o'clock this morning when I do that's your cue to call Uh, caller number nine shall we say, to get through to John Paul at 1850 When I play it again in the next hour is going to win a family pass to go along to a spooky town. It's an eerie adventure full of hocus pocus for the young and the young at heart. And all of our four winners each and every day, we've got this family pass. And then at the just before the close of the programme, we'll put the final fourth 
or third, oh God, I'm, I have myself on for three hours, I'm on, for four hours, I'm on for three. We'll put the three names into the hat and we will select one of them and one of them gets their prize bumped up because they also are going to get dinner for four at uh, Photo Island Resort. That's Spooky Town at Photo Island Resort. A chance to win prizes to go to Spooky Town along with uh, dinner for four included for one of our listeners. That's happening right across today. Spooky Town at Photo Island Resort as we roll through a spooky town uh, Friday. Now, tonight I will be heading along to the Health and Wellbeing Evening. It's been organised by Bandon Co-op and the National Dairy Council. Really looking forward to this. It's it's a very informative night where you can learn a lot, but it's also a fun night as well. We're going to have um, a, a nutritional. Paula Mee will give a, a talk. She's a, a fantastic dietitian. So she gives a talk on nutrition. Then we've got a, psych- a psychologist talking about our mental well-being because I'm forever saying if you don't have good mental health, then you don't have good health at all. And then the second half of the night is going to see the wonderful Derville O'Rourke with a cookery demonstration. So we'll get to and Derville, of course, one of Cork's greatest exports and one of the most decorated Irish athletes because she's hung up her spikes and she has become a real uh, food, um, a real foodie. She's become an expert on food. And of course, food when it comes to fitness and eating for, I mean, athletes must just absolutely adore uh, Derville's uh, cookbook. So we're going to be talking with her uh, tonight as well. Now, the tickets are completely sold out, but Kate Crowley, because it's a fundraiser, by the way, for the wonderful West Cork Rapid Response. We all know the fantastic work of the West Cork Rapid Response. And tickets went really, really quick, which I was absolutely thrilled uh, to see. But Kate Crowley from the West Cork Rapid Response has been on to me this morning to say that they may have a couple of cancellations. Some people would have bought uh, tickets and maybe now are not in a position to go and maybe just bought tickets because they wanted to support the West Cork Rapid Response and we know there are people who'd like to go along to the to support the charity but also to hear and take part in the health and well-being evening because everybody goes along it's a goodie bag at the end of the night so Kate tells me that they may have some cancellations so if there's anybody who was disappointed because they didn't secure a ticket if you come along to the Munster Arms Hotel but you need to be there early if you're there around 6.30 there will be a limited number of tickets that people have handed back uh, that they will then be able to pass on to people who would really like to go but you're going to need to be there early for everybody else just turn up at the allocated time because you already have your tickets and Kate says that they'll do their very very best to accommodate as many people as possible so if you are going along there tonight really really looking forward to it and looking forward to meeting and chatting with people as well because that's what that, that night is about as well is meeting up with people and having a chat and tonight I also will be very much thinking of some of uh, Team 96 and C103 who are taking part in the Asleep Out on Spike Island. This is where the business communities across Cork have come together for one night to raise vital funds for homeless people and it's a special fundraiser. It's called uh, Shine a Light uh, Night. It is, actually I've just realised on my brief, it doesn't say, I'm sure it's a native Focus Ireland, isn't it Focus Ireland? Yeah. So uh, the team that we are sending to sleep out on Spike Island uh, will be from, they're made up from the news, well the majority from the news team, it's Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter and then two of our news readers, Pierce McCarthy and Mairead Tuig and uh, Sadie Madden from the Street Fleet. If you've ever met up with the, the guys and gals from the Street Fleet, you'll know uh, Sadie. The four of them have 
and willingly offered to go along and do this. I mean, you're looking at the weather conditions. I mean, I know, thank God, Storm Callum will have passed, but it's kind of a wet and a, a rotten old windy night is what's forecast for tonight. So not the best of conditions to be sleeping out, but I suppose it does and it will give all of those who are taking part tonight on Spike Island the sense of what it is like to experience homelessness. So I want to wish them and everybody else taking part in that uh, sleep out for the Shine of Light for Focus Ireland. Can I wish them the very, very best of uh, luck. And you can check it all out on uh, facebook.com by going to uh, Sleep Out in Spike and we hope they raise lots and lots of money. Now coming up on the programme this morning, what can our government do to protect our children online? It's one of those things that's been spoken about for quite some time and younger and younger children are now getting access uh, to the internet and the internet itself can be a wonderful tool but the problem, the real problem for me seems to be uh, social media and with social media and children at a younger younger age are getting involved in social media I mean the amount of young people that are on Snapchat and, and Instagram Facebook almost seems to be for the oldies at this stage but like certainly things like uh, Snapchat and Instagram younger people are, are, are you know very much wanting to project the wonderful image that they're all beautiful and they're putting the filters on and whatever but younger people then are can be and we do know have been really badly bullied on these social media uh, sites and many it's causing in many cases mental health issues in these young people their self-esteem is being absolutely destroyed so what we've been talking about it for a while but it doesn't look like anything has been done it just gets it gets spoken about people talk about what the digital age of consent should be and then it gets passed on to something else and then we'll hear another tragedy a young person will have taken their life and it will turn out it was because of bullying and uh, online uh, bullying and we'll all wring our hands going something needs to be done but we never seem to do anything so we're going to talk about what can the government do to try to protect our children on uh, line Joan Freeman presidential candidate is going to be joining is going to be talking to us on air in the second ha- second hour of the programme after 11 so if you've got a question for Joan Freeman presidential candidate please get it into us we hear from a West Cork best-selling author who has decided to go to Greece to work with the refugees in uh, Greece I know the refugee camps have not gone away in Greece there is isn't a lot of media spotlight on them but it doesn't mean they, they haven't gone away and then we've got a lovely lovely story we will be going to Birmingham in England to speak with a lady who contacted us because she is trying to track down a teacher who became a real who now looking back in her life uh, was inspirational and she feels it was because of the work that this teacher did with her put her on the right path gave her encouragement, gave her lots of self-esteem. She reckoned her life would have been very different if this teacher hadn't come into her life. And she'll talk with us and she'll tell us her story. And it's a lovely thing for all of us, I think, to do, to to look back. And is there a teacher that stands out for you? Somebody that really went above and beyond? Because often we would hear about people who talk about their school days in a negative way. And people will always remember the bad teachers. People will always, always remember the very violent, aggressive uh, teachers who were just darn right cruel. People will remember teachers who picked on certain pupils and put them down. And and we've we've a tendency, we know, because the building blocks of self-esteem start in the classroom. And they, because they were put down so much, they carried that baggage with them all of their lives. But let's look at the positive. There was also some fantastic teachers who put many, many young people through their fingers over the years and left a lasting legacy and a lasting impression on people. So 
that's what we're going to be uh, focusing on uh, today. And we'll also go to the movies with Mark in the final hour. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Heidi, good morning to you. Heidi says, morning Patricia, when, while it is appreciated that the guys go out to fix the power lines from the ESB network that are down once again, and this is something that Heidi has messaged just about on many, many occasions, a lot of this is to do with trees taking down power lines. I've said it time and time again, would it not be a good idea to look at these areas and cut back on those trees that could in the future cause problems? You don't do it, obviously, while, stor- while storms are underway, but when during the summer months or uh, during the calm of autumn take a look at trees that could pose problems or maybe after the storm if we get a calm period take a look at anything that looks likely if it came down it would bring that power line with it is that something that land owners uh, should and are actually doing maybe they are May- maybe they are okay just a couple of your texts in before we go to a quick commercial break Dan says Patricia I find it disgusting that we are paying Martin Callanan the former Garda Commissioner, three grand a week of a pension after yesterday when mine is €12,000 for the full year after working and paying taxes all of my life, uh, says Dan. We will try, if we get a chance later on on the programme, to take a look at some of the revelations that came out and what were devastating findings in the Disclosures uh, Tribunal. But uh, certainly Martin Callanan. Uh, did not come out of it smelling of roses yesterday. And I'm Dan, and um, I'm not doubting you, Dan. Is his pension that high? Three thousand euro a week. Nobody should be getting three thousand euro a week by way of a pension. Anyway, uh, thank you for your text. And then um, uh, Dennis Nocton, former now Minister for Communications, interesting view here. Uh, Texter says, Patricia, it doesn't add up to me why Dennis Nocton had to step down. He's done no wrong. It looked as if he wanted an excuse to go. Uh, would it, it would have been very different if he'd been receiving brown envelopes from the guy. Was it not clumsy of Leo Varadkar? There's more to this fiasco. Uh, then what we are seeing at the moment, let's wait and see what comes out um, uh, from it. Uh, my big one when when I realised what Dennis Nocton was doing, because I certainly wasn't expecting him to uh, resign. My big worry on it, uh, wh- what now for for rural broadband? I mean, we are there. We are desperately waiting for rural broadband. Um, it's a process that has been dragging on. Uh, for years and and now it looks like is are we going to have a legal challenge now does this just mean another delay and does it just as they can that has rural broadband written out does it just get kicked further down the street okay going to take a quick break and we're back talking with uh, junior minister jim daly Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Now, it isn't often that you get a minister attacking its own uh, government, but to mark World Mental Health Day this week, Jim Daly, the Minister for Mental Health, said his government is failing to protect children online and says they're not taking it seriously enough. Uh, minister Jim Daly joins me. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning. Patricia. And Jim, before we get to this issue, there's just other issues that I obviously have to address the first being the resignation of uh, Dennis Nocton yesterday, Minister for Communications. Now, I'm not going to get into uh, when did the Taoiseach find out he had meetings and dinners with Mr. Court and who said what at what time, because really that is all uh, relevant at this stage. Were you shocked by Dennis Nocton's resignation or did he have no other choice? 
Um, I was, to answer your first question, I was shocked. I was very shocked. I happened to be at a conference on rare diseases with um, with a, another uh, minister from Lithuania yesterday, and I came out of the meeting and heard the news that he had resigned. I had known he was going to the Dáil to make a statement, but I was not expecting a resignation. But then I wasn't aware of the number of informal dinners that happened, and I think that was probably the, the deciding factor for Dennis himself is that, you know, when he had an official meeting with this gentleman and there was officials in the room, well, then I think that was okay. But then when you meet somebody who's bidding for a contract from the state uh, on your own, that's where the issue arises. And I think Dennis recognised the difficulty there, and that's evidenced by the fact that he himself asked the Taoiseach to move him to a different department. You know, I think at that stage he recognised that he had uh, potentially, you know, left himself exposed to accusations. Uh, Nobody saying what he did or didn't do. Um, but there, you know, he's open to accusations of, you know, giving this man information if he was on his own in the room with him without officials present. And that's where the, the difficulty rose for him. OK. And, and I suppose to answer your question, I think he did the right thing um, afterwards. So I was shocked when I heard it. But when I look back at it, yeah, I can see why he did what he did. And it was evidenced by the fact, as I say, that he, he requested the Taoiseach himself to move him first to another department was his initial request. And I think at that stage, that was his own admission that he had compromised or potentially left himself open to accusations of compromising. Okay, so that's Dennis Nocton now out of the picture. Where does that now leave the National Broadband Plan? That's the most important factor in all of this, and particularly for an area like West Cork, that's uh, where we're really heavily reliant on it. Uh, The broadband rollout has made significant progress uh, since this government came into office in the last two years. It has gone from 52% coverage to 75% coverage, but there are still uh, 1 million homes and businesses left without broadband, and we hope, now I don't believe, well, I, I don't know, I suppose I can't say it, but my hope, my sincere hope and sincere belief is that the process isn't in any way tainted or compromised. Uh, the Minister, Arthur Taoiseach, has ordered a, an investigation, a prompt one, just to, to get a professional to, to assess what is where to that and see if there is any evidence of any interference whatsoever. Hopefully that can conclude very, very quickly and that we can keep the broadband plan on track because that is the top priority for us at the moment. It's not about remaining in office, it's not about... You know, they're not priorities. The priority is absolutely to make sure that that process can continue um, to its conclusion. Okay, and people in rural areas hold their breath and and hope that it isn't in any way uh, going to delay the National Broadband Plan. And just on one other issue, and this is to do with uh, with the budget, and we've been contacted by some uh, GPs, particularly GPs from the West Cork uh, area, um, saying that in in uh, on GP practice and what was announced in the budget, that it's difficult to see in the current environment how an additional hundred thousand patients on GP visit cards can be safely managed in in GP practice. I mean, we've got many GP lists are closed to new patients, and some GPs are talking to us uh, about their cutting resources um, through fe- through FEMPI. Has that part of the budget been? thought out? Um, I, I think it has. I mean, there is a recognition that the GP contract is 43 or 44 years out of date and it needs to be uh, addressed. Uh, those uh, negotiations are at a fairly acute stage at this week as we speak. And I think once the contract is addressed, um, I think primarily the issue that will have to happen within GP practices is a, a step-down level of, of administration. So you will have to have practice nurses, for example, doing a lot of the work that GP, GPs do typically. Um, you will have to, I suppose, reorganise how they do, what they do, and that's all central to the renegotiation of the contract. But on the wider issue of 100,000 people having you know, access to, free access to GP care, that was something I noticed yesterday, even speaking to the Minister for Health from Lithuania. 
and Lithuania wouldn't be a, you know seen as a, as a very rich country or a very well advanced country economically by comparison to Ireland. But they have free GP care with years and years and years, as have an awful lot. You know, it is seen to be vital to the protection of public health that people have free access. That money isn't a barrier to people accessing health care, and that's where we're trying to go on a piece by piece basis. But we have a problem that our doctors are getting older, and, and it it doesn't seem to be a, a, an actual part of medicine that younger doctors want to get involved in. Yeah, there there are challenges there, but I'd be confident that if the contract can be negotiated successfully to the, and I'm not directly involved in that and can't comment on the detail of that, but if that contract can be negotiated successfully, then I think you will attract more GPs into the area. You will support existing GPs much better, and that you will see that you know that particular um, issue being, I suppose, lessened for want of a better word. But there are challenges there. I mean, I noted there when I was in Australia, New Zealand for Patrick's Day last year talking to, I visited a number of hospitals and healthcare centres out there to view how they manage and one of the issues they were saying to me is look, in Ireland you have the best doctors and nurses in the world, bar none, there is no question about that, but we have one huge issue with them and that is that we can't hold on to them, they all want to get back to their, their own country, so you have a migration, the medical workforce is very migratory by its very nature, uh, doctors and nurses can travel all over the world and can get um, you know, I suppose they can uh, get work wherever they want, um, but they also move back. You know, it's not about, doctors talk a lot about doctors immigrating and leaving the country. There's a lot of doctors abroad who want to come back and are anxious to come back. And I think if we can uh, successfully conclude the negotiations around the contract and build a better working environment for doctors, they have suffered, you know, really, really significant uh, cuts during the recession. There is no question about that. I'd be the first to acknowledge that. And I look forward to seeing those restored. OK. All right. The issue that we invited you to join us on, on the programme, uh, a very brave uh, stand that you've taken by saying that the government is not taking it seriously enough. Are you getting frustrated in your efforts to protect children online? Yeah, I suppose the short answer is I am. I was doing an interview on Ireland AIM on World Mental Health Day and the presenter asked me straight out, is the government doing enough to protect children online? And, and I said the simple answer, that is no. Uh, I wouldn't see that as an attack on the government. I think that's a statement of fact and I don't think anybody in the government could disagree. Uh, it's an issue. In fact, a number of the senior ministers reached out to me yesterday and said, look, you know, we accept what you're saying. There is no question about that. It is a really, really big issue. Um, my frustration with it is in my particular department, I don't have any real authority to deal with it because because it's not, uh, while mental health, I'm picking up the pieces, I suppose is the best way I could um, explain it from my point of view. I see the effects of it all day, every day in the, in the whole mental health sphere. And you, you spoke about that there in your introduction about the effect of online, particularly on young people. But I think like it's, uh, what frustrates me is we're not having a conversation often enough. We're not talking about it often enough. And I think like the government has a role to play. There's no doubt about that. It has to provide leadership. But society has a role to play and parents have a role to play. We as parents and like we ourselves as parents are very guilty of the charge of being addicted to our phones and spending an awful lot of time on our phones and on our screens in front of our children. And, and you, I think you, you actually think social media is, is the new addiction. It's taken over even from, from alcohol. Oh, there's no doubt about that. There is no doubt about that that the largest addiction in Ireland today by a country mile, it is not alcohol, it is not drugs, it is not gambling, it is social media and screen time. Screen time, the amount of... Uh, I met with Facebook recently there a number of weeks ago and they have told me that they're developing part of their Facebook app now will give people a weekly report on the amount of time that they've spent on on the screen and they've, they're rolling that out, tested at the moment. They, I, think, I think it's by year in they hope to have it up and running. That's welcome. That's uh, certainly welcome. And I think people will get a hop when they see uh, being you know, popped up on your phone or on your screen, the amount of hours that you spent on the screen, on the Facebook app in any one week or any one day, I think will frighten people. So I think we as parents have to be careful. The example we show to our children 
um, and how much time we kind of are distracted by these screens and not engaging with our children and the children then are developing the same habits and you know you see it yourself when you see three or four young people out together um, whether it's oh, oh with their heads buried in their phone and they're not talking and, to each other at all is, but is it, do we need a digital safety watchdog we, we certainly need something. I, I don't. I'm not an expert on the area, and I'm not, you know, claiming to be. But we certainly, I think, need to establish. Um, there is a Pathfinder project, which is very frustrating for me as well, personally or politically. But uh, there's a Pathfinder project agreed, which is where cross departmentals come together. So, in other words, health and justice and children and education would sit down together and deal with issues around mental health. Um, it's the first time in the history of the state that this has been agreed. It's led from secretary general level, which is very, very senior level, the most senior level within each department. And there's a budget put forward for it. It's held up in deeper at the moment for approval. And uh, that would allow the departments to work together proactively, constructively and engaging, you know, I suppose, responsibly and, and acknowledging the responsibility of each. I think at the moment it's falling between stools. I think children are saying, look, it's to do with us, but it's more education. Education is saying it's more communications. You know, there's that element of pass the book going on at the moment. So if that Pathfinder project, which has been agreed, is there in writing, is inside and deeper at the moment, trying to get it approved, if that could be um, brought to fruition, I think the government needs to, the cabinet need to get that as a priority up and running, then the departments could work together collectively and agree whether it is a digital safety commissioner or whether it is, you know, whatever the, the future is to protect people. The key to this is awareness, is conversation, is people talking about it. I think as a parent, I know it myself, and from talking to parents and listening to parents, there's an awful lot of parents have huge concern around this area. They do not know how to deal with it. They do not know how, whether it has damage or not being done to their children by these screens. They're all under pressure to buy phones for their children at a younger age. And a young, it used to be a confirmation present. And now it's, it's gone more, to communion now. It's now yeah. communion present. Yeah. And the level of time that the children are spending, like, it, you know, it cannot be good for anybody. There is okay. no question about that. All right. OK. And just before we let you go, you are in Dundalk today. You've got a senior Austrian Brexit negotiator with you. I have indeed, yeah. Um, Minister Broomwell, Austria has the presidency of the EU at the moment and uh, Brexit is coming to, as you know, a, a crucial stage in negotiations between the EU and the British. And as part of that, the Austrian government, who hold the presidency, have requested to physically view the border to understand, you know, and the talks about the backstop to actually understand. We're telling them that, you know, there's a million people cross this border every day. It's there, but it's not there. It's invisible. Any change to that would be detrimental. Um, and they want to see it for themselves. So I'm okay. taking the Federal Minister of the EU who's tasked with those um, negotiations on behalf of, of the EU I'm taking him to view the border today to see it physically for himself okay. and there'll be a lot of Austrian media and that there what's, with him as well What's the weather like? Is the weather is okay, yeah, the weather okay. Is, All right. It's not too bad it's like at yeah. home I think it has calmed down It's calmed down um, a little bit yeah but yeah. it still is it has been there's still a lot of areas without power Okay Jim we leave it there thank you for that Okay, thanks and for uh, thanks for joining us that is Minister uh, Jim Daly Dan by the way has just contacted to say he's travelled the main cork to McCroom Road and he couldn't get, get over the number of people driving cars with no lights on. Would you light up, please? It's still dark out there. You need to be seen. I did split, pray. I did play the spooky town cute call and lots of you heard it and Mary Kelleher from Inchigila was our winner was the correct caller and she has won a family pass for spooky town on C103 spooky town at Fulta Island Resort Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 now every now and then we get contacted by people living overseas who are trying to trace a 
long lost relative or a friend that they've just lost contact with over the years. But it isn't often we get a request to track down a teacher. Marcella Healy-Begley lives in Birmingham and lately she's been thinking about one particular teacher and uh, she wants to reach out uh, to try to find her. Marcella joins me. Good morning to you, Marcella. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're, you're welcome to the programme. What was it that made you start to think about this teacher who you say had a profound effect on, on your life? What started you thinking about her again? Um, well, it was just because I'm getting older and I remember what a couple of days ago I was on Facebook and I was watching um, a, movie, a video of um, a lady that was talking about a teacher that really made a dramatic effect on our life and I've been thinking about this lady for a long time and um, I tried to find her on Facebook and I couldn't find her and um, it was just something about her she connected with me she um, really gave me a lot of confidence and she could see you know she I don't know there's something really nice about her and um, one day I um, I used to write a few songs and and, um, she gave me the opportunity to sing in the Cork Opera House and it gave me a lot of confidence and she was just such a lovely person that she I felt that she really connected with me and made a big massive difference in my life and I couldn't get her out of my head to be honest so and and what and what what, what kind of a pupil were you Marcella when you were in school oh, I wasn't very good <laughs> uh, um, to be honest I wasn't the best pupil now I was in in that school but uh, do you know what it was lovely she was very nice to me and she kind of gave me you know, do you know what she said to me? You know, Marcella, if you can connect with people, that's a big thing. And and she really, you know, gave me that confidence to connect with people. And, you know, it really helped me. I went to America, you know, and, and uh, she, she was just really, really nice. I wasn't the best pupil now at school, but there was something about this teacher that really believed in me. And you reckon she so. saw something in you? Yeah, she did. did without she? a doubt. Yeah, yeah she did. She... I think she just thought that, you know what, you've got a good personality, you can connect with people, you know, you're going to do well. And I really listened to what she said and it really did work for me. You know, and, I and New you, York, I had a great time. And do you believe your life could have been very different if she hadn't given you that or been so uh, inspirational and, and yeah, influenced? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, without a doubt. I And I really do think, you know... Sometimes you hear terrible stories and sad stories, and I just think, you know, it's such a nice story. Sometimes it's nice to acknowledge people is, and tell them what you think of them. And I know she must be elderly now, um, and but there was something really nice about her, and I just thought it's nice to just sort of say thank you. And it was St Mary's High School in Middleton. Yeah. And the teacher was... Eileen Nolan, and she was a speech and drama teacher. Yeah, um, of the so, of the know. of the Monfords fame. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was in there, and she was very involved in the Cork Opera House as well. So she, I actually used to write my own songs, and uh, she gave me the opportunity. She could see that I could write songs, and she said, "You know what? I'm going to give you a chance." And she gave me a chance to sing in the Cork Opera House, which was great. So it gave me a lot of confidence. Well, do you know that Eileen Nolan? today, at this very moment, is actually in St. Mary's High School in Middleton, where she's still teaching. Is she? And oh. she's on the other line. Oh, I didn't know G- that. Good morning, Eileen. Good morning. Uh, you've been listening to what Marcella had to say about you. 
Yes, I have, and I can't believe is it me. I don't believe it's me. It is. Oh, oh, it's lovely my to hear Stella. you, Eileen. Lovely oh, to my hear God. from you. And my, I, and I, I don't even know if you remember me, Eileen, but I really, I've never forgot you. I've been on about you for years, and I just thought, oh. I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can find you. Well, Marcella, how lovely to hear from you. And I remember you lived in Ladies Bridge. I did. <laughs> in the most beautiful patched uh, yes. inn. And I remember you well. And I remember you coming to the Opera House. And I'm yes. still here today. Now, yes, you did say I might be elderly. I'm elderly, but at the same time, I, <laughs> but I still like to think I'm about 40 or 50. Oh. And Aww. we're doing it too. And Marcella, how lovely to hear from you. And oh, and uh, Eileen, do many past pupils connect with yeah. you? Do Yes, indeed. Do that. I don't do Facebook, Marcella, but my partner in business decided to yes. put it on that it was my birthday last week. So I Aww. had so many, do they call them likes? Yeah. From <laughs> so many St. Mary's past pupils. Because I love this school, I haven't been well, and this yeah. is my recovery. Coming back to St. Mary's and the girls here and the Aww. teachers. Well, I so, wasn't very, I wasn't uh, the best pupil in St. Mary's. I am sure there's a few students listening to this now that are laughing their heads off at me. But there was something about you um, that you believed in me, and I, I could see. feel it. Honest to God, and I remember walking in one day into the class, and I wasn't in very good form. And I knew you knew straight away, and you were talking to me, and I knew that you knew what I was, you know, that I, that I was wasn't feeling the best that day, and you connected with me, and I'll never forget it. Oh, Marcella, so lovely to hear that from you. And I've just left a girl now who's done an audition and she didn't get through it and she was in tears. And Margaret McGarry and myself, you might remember Margaret McGarry, Marcella? I was just going to say the same thing. Wouldn't it be lovely for you to go into the school? Well, I would know love going that. Into the baby school. <laughs> and just Marcella, the you are so happy with me now. <laughs> well, no, I'd love to see you, and I believe you have three lovely children. I do, yes, and I have a daughter that's an amazing singer, Eileen. You'll have to listen wow. to her. She's beautiful. Yes, yeah, she is. She won. She got a couple of awards, and I'm hoping, please God, that she does follow. What I like to do, like I used to write my own songs and everything, but she's an amazing singer. So it'd be lovely to meet you. I'd really, really like to and meet you. That would be October. Will you keep in touch? June I will, definitely. I'm coming over in October to, vi- to visit my mom's grave. She'll be, she, right. you know, she'll be gone. Yeah, she's gone probably 17 years now. So 
And we, oh, every yeah. year, the three of us, the three sisters, we come home to visit her That's grave. Lovely. Well, I tell you what, we'll, we, we, we'll swap all the telephone numbers off air and put you all in contact with each other. But listen, oh, it was a real joy to listen in on your conversation. Uh, Marcella and uh, the wonderful Eileen Nolan uh, of the Mumfords uh, coming to us live from St. Mary's uh, High School in Middleton. Thank you, ladies, uh, for joining us. Okay. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. In this hour on the programme, I'm going to be speaking with uh, Senator Joan Freeman, founder of uh, Pieter ha- House and the brainchild behind the Darkness into Light Walks, well known uh, to people. And uh, she joins us because, of course, she is one of the six uh, candidates who have put their name forward for the presidential election, which is going to be happening at the end of the month. And coincidentally, there is a Red Sea Paddy Power poll just out this morning on the presidential uh, election. And the, if the election was to be held today, President Michael D. Higgins would win it by a landslide. According to this Red Sea Paddy Power poll, Michael D. Higgins, 70% of the vote. Sean Gallagher, 14% of the vote. Joan Freeman, who we will speak with, 6%. Leonie Rieda on 5%. Gavin Duffy on 4% and uh, Peter Casey on 1%. But it would give, that particular poll is giving Michael D. Higgins a landslide win, 70% of the the votes. Bearing in mind that this presidential election is costing the state 15 million euro to run. Now that's not taking into account anything that the six candidates are paying. That's what it will cost to run the presidential election. And now, of course, what's uh, if that is the result and if that is the way it goes at the end of the month, you will have people questioning, why did we ever have a presidential election? Was there ever a need for one? Because going on that particular, and I know it's a snapshot in t- time and it's one particular opinion poll, and things can change and we all know things can change we know back in 2011 how different it was talk to Sean Gallagher about opinion polls and how things can change but if it stays the way it is it looks like Michael De Higgins is going to win by a landslide anyway we'll be giving Joan Freeman her opportunity as to why we uh, why members of the public should vote for Joan Freeman if you have a question for Joan with regards to her standing for the presidential election get your questions in please 1850-333-103 now Margaret and Fomoy was on having a problem with a contract that she signed up to with AIR Okay, her story is that she rang air to cancel her landline and uh, a number of people um, have been doing that in recent uh, times. A lot of people are just going for mobile phones. I know we would, John Paul certainly would find when we're contacting people to do interviews, we prefer to be on landlines because, you know, we know the way the way mobile phones can be depending on where the person is you could be in an area where the sickness is going to be bad so we always try where possible to speak to people on a landline but more and more in the last probably I'd have to check with John Paul but probably two to three years he has started to notice that more and more people are saying no I don't have a landline anymore had a landline gave it up um, and people are just deciding no I can you know it's one less bill to pay I'll just hang on to my mobile phone anyway and I'm assuming that was probably one of the reasons behind Margaret deciding to contact Air to cancel her phone or maybe she was going to change to a different provider I don't know anyway she rang them to say look get rid of the landline too expensive and when she rang 
uh, Air, obviously, they did everything to hang on to her as a customer. So, guess what? They offered her a new contract. They told her for €33.99 a month, she'd have unlimited broadband, unlimited calls to landlines and mobiles between 7pm and 7am. So, evening time and nighttime calls. So, she's happy enough with that. And 33.99 sounded like a good offer. So, she decided she'd sign up with it. Well, she got a bit of a shock this week because her bill arrived and her bill was €165 because they were charging her for mobile calls, even though Margaret is adamant that she was told when she when she made the call to cancel the phone that she was told that the mobile calls were free and unlimited. Now, she even went into the air shop in Formoy and they were taken aback. That I know that she said they were taken aback at this. I'm assuming taken aback that she was told something and then something very different happened when her bill came in. She's going to ring air again, but she wants to know, has anybody come across this before? Now, what I would suggest is all of those calls are recorded and, and uh, monitored for that reason. So, you know, it's, it's, it is going to be, Margaret, your word against their word because the particular package that you're talking about, the one for thirty three ninety nine a month with the unlimited calls between 7pm and 7am, normally that contract is just for calls to landlines. They might throw in 30 minutes of mobile calls and you've, you've got to be very careful as to what exactly did you hear them say. I'm not saying that, that, you, that you heard them wrong but it's your word against whoever you were talking to. So I would suggest, you know, good, good luck with getting absolutely best of luck getting on with them and, and putting your side of the story across. But if they come back and say, no, we couldn't have offered you that because that's not the contract, then ask to try and get a copy of the or a transcript of the call that was made because all of those calls should be they are all because you know they'll say for training purposes and all of that. But it's also done to prove what one person said against uh, what a customer said and what the the operator said versus you know one person saying no you didn't yes I did I said this no you didn't say that so they should have a record of it let us know Margaret by the way how you got on anybody else did that happen whereby you got a package you signed up to a package everything was explained to you over the phone and then when your bill comes in it was completely different to what you thought you had actually signed up for we've been talking about broadband today and in particular with Dennis Nocton going and of course the big one the big one now is what now for the national broadband plan with so many people around the country waiting for the national broadband plan and we have been talking it's been beset with problems and delays would you believe the national broadband plan and I had to check this last night when Dennis knocked him, uh, uh, resigned. I was wondering, because my instant reaction, well, sympathy for anybody who's stepping down from his his job, uh, obviously, but silly what the man did. But, um, you know, my instant reaction and my instant thoughts then went to the National Broadband Plan because, you know, we deal with it on a daily basis, people who have absolutely little or no broadband and, you know, trying to run a business and trying to just even do day-to-day stuff at home, trying to send an email, absolutely cracked. And I was straight away thinking of those people who have been desperately waiting for the National Broadband Plan to be rolled out. And I was trying to think, how long have we been talking about the National Broadband Plan? How how long have I been doing interviews on the National Broadband uh, Plan? And it was first announced back in 2012, would you believe? 2012 and we were 2018 and it now to me looks like it's hanging by a thread. We'll have to wait and see. Lauren Millstreet said, it is great to see uh, 
the town of Skibbereen getting one gigabyte of broadband in their town and Dumamwe having the same. Yet we have nothing in parts of North Cork. Why hasn't somebody thought of something like this for some of the North Cork towns? I work on the outskirts of the city and so many of my colleagues are able to work from home on Mondays and Fridays. Uh, it makes a big difference, especially when, when you have children. But I cannot avail of this. Why? Because my broadband is so slow at home. I could not carry out the tasks that my work would require. I couldn't rely on it, especially if I was in the middle of a big project. I would love to have have a a town like they have in Skibbereen with the gigabytes. I'd love to have something like that in a North Cork town. Um, And do they have it in any other towns in North Cork? Don't forget the fibre has been laid, fibre optic. Uh, people will, will, will have spotted that, that the fibre optic lads are, are out. Now, when that gets rolled out, I don't know. And as far as I know, isn't it Vodafone is, is doing the fibre optic? That's going to make a huge difference. So keep an eye on that, uh, Laura. But yeah, frustrating if you're watching your other colleagues being able to work from home and you'd love to be in the position to do that. But just because of broadband, uh, you can't. Mark in Delmanway is wondering, Jim Daly's off the line, but is wondering, uh, is there, will we have an election before Christmas or will we have an election next uh, summer? Only uh, time will tell. Leo Varadkar is saying no. But certainly, I mean, if you look at the papers today, a lot of them have headlines with coalition in chaos. So we, it's, it really is uh, a wait and see. Does anybody want... Some are saying there will be an election in December, but having an election in December, I don't know. Um, none of the politicians like to be out canvassing in winter months. They just, you know, people are at home here. You don't want knocks on the door in the dark evenings. So it doesn't suit politicians to have a winter election doesn't mean we can't have a winter election, but it certainly doesn't suit them. Time will tell. Um, some more of your texts coming in. Could you please ask Jim Daly, unfortunately gone off the line. How can the high rate of VAT on building materials at 23%, how can it be justified at a time of homelessness when housing is so scared and the government are throwing funds and interest costs to developers? Uh, yeah, you know, that is something the building the building supplies because that's only adding to the cost of building a house if we're trying to but that goes back to what we were talking about the other day you wonder at times the government will say you know there's a housing crisis and we've heard calls for making it a a national emergency do we need to ramp it up do we need to do everything that we possibly can to make the building of houses good quality houses the one thing we don't want is any cutting at corners of the building of the houses because we saw that during the boom. So we want good quality houses, but we want them built as cheaply as possible and as affordable as possible for people. Is that something that could be looked at? Absolutely, I I, I would say it is. Uh, Pat says that Ivan Yates is predicting there's going to be an election by uh, Christmas, by December. And Pat says he would hope to see Fina Gale out if that be the case. We spoke about the GPs and a question I did put to Uh, Jim Daly because a lot of GPs not happy with the budget and the fact that an extra 100,000 people are going to be able to avail of GP visit cards great news for the people able to avail of it bad news for the doctors because they feel they're already under-resourced. Texter says in my opinion, doctors getting older is not the problem it's the admin and the maintenance costs of running the practice. State running medical practices and supply of equipment and paying clerical staff would entice younger doctors into Irish practice. Paying doctors directly by government would make free healthcare a possibility uh, without causing burnout among the medical profession who are at the moment having to cope with the medical 
medical, what they're doing on the medical side, the admin side and the insurance workload. The whole system needs to be looked at. Thank you for that. No name on that. And somebody said, Patricia, could you please mention that the dance in Theo Park in Labamalaga to be held tonight. They have decided to cancel it. So no dance tonight in Theo Park in Labamalaga. Now I've been told we were to do at this uh, point in the programme to speak with uh, Joan Freeman but I've just been told uh, she is running behind schedule so it's going to be about quarter to twelve that we're going to get to talk to uh, Joan Freeman so hang in there if you're uh, if you're waiting around to hear what Joan has to say and uh, her pitch as to why you should give her a number one vote in the 26th of October. Tim has already been on when I mentioned the opinion poll that's out the Red Sea Paddy Power opinion poll which is is putting Michael D. Higgins uh, a landslide win, 70% of the vote, according to the opinion poll uh, today. And raising the question, did we really need this presidential election at all? Or is it good for democracy? Is that the way people would say, bearing in mind it is going to cost 15 million? Uh, Tim says the 15 million cost of the presidential election includes a lot of overtime for patriotic and conscientious civil servants. It's unlikely the doll will last beyond January. The local and European elections must take place in May of next year. Much of the stress of the civil servants who deserve something towards their holiday funds, says Tim, who I take it is being a tad sarcastic today. Uh, Christine Temple Clanton says, Patricia, the presidential election election must be this presidential election must be the most uninteresting election we've ever had in this country the political parties ensured that the people did not have an opportunity to allow a person with a perspective on Irish society which is opposite to the path followed by their parties that person being Gemma O'Doherty she was trying to open up the debate to bring in the subject of corruption and cover-ups which have been stifled by Irish uh, society. Uh, yeah. Um, and then, But then when you read what has come out in the um, tribunal, the damning report that came out yesterday. Now, I haven't, I didn't have any time yesterday other than skimming across some synopsis of what was in the Disclosures uh, Tribunal. But that really is uh, damning. And it does look like that we've had many, many tribunals before and people kind of scratch their heads at the end of the tribunal and say, did we really find out anything much from the tribunal? It certainly does look like on this one uh, we did. Um, just as Peter Carton said, Maurice McCabe was a genuine person who at all times had the interest of the people of Ireland uppermost in his mind. He found that Sergeant McCabe was uh, repulsively disintegrated from being no more than a good citizen and a police uh, officer. I mean, for, for, for poor old Maris McCabe, I mean, God almighty, what that man and his family have been put through. The tribunal also found no credible evidence that the Deputy Commissioner, Noreen O'Sullivan, played any hand actor part in the campaign conducted by Martin Conlon and uh, Superintendent uh, Taylor all of the evidence is to the contrary. Martin Callanan then, he came out, he's the, it was found that he spread a historic sexual abuse allegation about whistleblower Sergeant Morris McCabe, Justice Carlton said that Martin Callanan was not alone in his attempts to denigrate the character of Morris McCabe and they were acting together, the they being Superintendent Dave Taylor. Justice Carrington said he was a witness whose credibility was completely undermined by his own bitterness. He had a cheek by jowl working relationship with Commissioner 
Callanan. He understood his own involvement in the campaign against Morris McCabe. And the other person who came out smelling roses and came out well out of it was Francis Fitzgerald. The judge gave an honest appraisal of the situation. He said Francis Fitzgerald gave an honest appraisal of the situation. It was not a lazy dodging of the issues, but rather a considered response to the information. He concluded that she was right not to have intervened in another inquiry into guard the controversies and fully accepted her account of uh, events. So she certainly has come out well. Actually, I thought of her uh, last night when when it looked when you know she was definitely vindicated uh, in the report, and I thought about then you Dennis Nocton. There's a ministry going there. Could she slot into that? But it seems that wouldn't sit well with Fianna Fáil. So it doesn't look like that that is uh, going to happen. 1850 Just on trees down. Uh, how can... Uh, how can trees obstructing traffic causing drivers to cross a white line near Ardfield School and a number of potholes? How can it be reported in the Clonakilty area? Is there a council website? It's been reported uh, many times by phone, but with no results, says a listener. So I checked with John Paul and uh, yeah, he's come back with a phone number as well. I thought there was maybe, I thought at one stage, wasn't it, where they're talking about a website. Anyway, John Paul says members of the public who want to report uh, issues and incidents at any time can contact Cork County Council. Now, I don't know if this is the same number that the, that Jay who contacted us, if this is the same number that you've been contacting. But if if it's, if it's not, try again. And even if it is, try again. 021-427-6891. 021-427-6891. Bearing in mind, though, extremely busy today with everything that is, is going on. But if that tree, it does sound like it's pretty dangerous if it is causing traffic traffic to swerve to avoid it and they end up on the other side of the road. They may be unaware that that tree is on the road in Ardfield. So give them a call. And I always say to people, you know, you, you kind of look at some of that and say, somebody else will do it. If we all take that attitude, somebody else will do it and then nobody does it. And the council would prefer to get five calls from people rather than get none so that you can inform them that it has actually happened. Mag says, you were talking about trees and somebody suggesting that we really need to look at the trees, particularly trees that are anywhere near power lines. When we have calm conditions, they need to be looked at. Now, I'm sure landowners do. I'm sure they because because if it's a landowner and there's a tree that's going to pull down power lines, more than likely it's their own power lines. They're going to be out of electricity. So for their own selfishness sake, it's worth them taking a look at them. But I don't know if every single tree around the country that's near a power line can be cut down. But certainly we need to look at ones that after a storm like Storm Callum, there will have been trees that didn't come down, but there'll be trees that would have been weakened and damaged and they in the calm after the storm need to be uh, looked at. Mag says the tree, there's some beautiful trees in, in on the back cove road but they are getting very dangerous. If we get storms as bad as they're talking about during the winter months because the same with climate change we're going to see a lot more of these uh, storms then certainly they are an accident waiting to happen when it gets very windy you can see these trees they bend over some of them actually leaning on the wall at the moment Mags reckons it is worth the council checking out those particular trees and you know seeing do they need to come down before a very strong wind will take them down and I spoke earlier when I was wishing the very best of luck 
to some of our work colleagues, uh, particularly three from the newsroom and uh, young Sadie from the Street Fleet, who are sleeping out tonight on Spike Island. And, you know, they've been talking about doing this. They weren't to know what way the weather was going to be when, when, it, was, when it was picked. It's a fundraiser for Focus Ireland and it's the business community across Cork City and County are getting together and a group of them are going on the sleep out on uh, Spike Island and we have our own C103 team with Fiona Corcoran, Pierce McCarthy, Maureen Tuig and Sadie Madden from the Street Feet and they're all going to be sleeping out and I mentioned them today wanting to wish them luck and you know Focus Ireland's fantastic work that Focus Ireland is doing trying to end uh, homelessness and you know it's a fundraiser and anything we can do to put a spotlight on Focus Ireland and to raise some money which ultimately can go on and hopefully put a roof over somebody's head. Well Tim C says the people sleeping out on Spike Island are on a self-justification publicity trip. They will experience some of the weather conditions but will be able to go to sleep without fear of being robbed, raped or stabbed in some alleyway, says uh, Tim. And I think, Tim, you're being a little bit unfair. I mean, absolutely, all of the people sleeping out tonight know it's a one-off and know they have a warm, comfortable bed to, to go back to tomorrow night. But they're doing it to put a spotlight and a focus on homelessness. And they're also doing it for the most important reason of all, to raise money for Focus Ireland. And Focus Ireland, you know, are the group that believe everybody has a right to a place to call home. And they have been working at the cold face of homelessness way before we even had this crisis. They are the ones who are all the time trying to do their best, trying to do their bit to help out homeless people. And if we were all to take the attitude, Asher, I won't do that because it'll be seen as a self-justified publicity trip, should none of us would do anything. I mean, people who are in positions where they can get a bit of media attention are always asked to do things like that. And they're asked to do it so it will draw attention to whatever charity it is or whatever campaign it is. So I think you're being, and I think it's very brave of what the the guys and gals are doing. I mean, that isn't going to be a nice, comfortable night's sleep. I will wonder, would they get any sleep at all? I mean, if it's anything like the, the, the rain we're expecting, I think is going to be the biggest part of it. And if there's a wind blowing, and I was out in Spike Island, wonderful Spike Island, I have to say, back in, March, April. Now, I went out there on what was a gorgeous spring day. The sun, a bit chilly, we wrapped up, but the sun was shining and it was absolutely gorgeous. And it struck me as I was going through the very old part of Spike Island and I was looking at the old uh, cells and that. It struck me that, my God, what must it have been like back in the day in the winters and the wild winters and all of that. It is a very, very bleak place. So I think what they're doing is honourable. And at the same time, they are going to raise uh, money. They're going to raise a lot of money for Focus Ireland and that's what that's what it's all about. It's it's raising money for Focus Ireland. So sorry Tim I disagree with your comment but I thank you for it. 1850 Let me go to the phone lines where John uh, joins me um, Good morning to you John Hello Patricia. Hello. Uh, um, how are you today? I'm very well thank you except for the rain <laughs> it's a, is, it, is it still quite windy in Blackpool? Uh, it's not so windy but just the rain it's just there's a lot of rain there's yeah. a, and there's a lot of rain forecast as well I think it's going to ease up though when we get into about the mid-afternoon we might get a bit of a dry spell and then the more rain uh, later on tonight anyway you're not talking to, you're not contacting us about the rain you're contacting us about your broadband and That's phone yeah air yeah yeah well I, I, I'm four weeks now without television 
and without Wi-Fi or without any coverage whatsoever. And I can't contact my kids in America, in Canada, North America, and I can't contact my 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 other daughters in Manchester, and I can't contact her either. Okay, and you've reported the problem to Air, I'm assuming. Oh God, sure does. The man came out and he looked, at, and he, he made a run for it. Came back, then he he forgot, he forgot his instrument, <laughs> and then he came, he came back for that. And then he said, "Oh, I look after that." So I, I've seen a few deer vans around Blackpool, and they've been having ladders up poles and all that. But this is four weeks now without without any cover whatsoever. And Air supplies your phone, your broadband, and your TV. Correct, uh. and it's costing me a hundred and eight a month. Well. Yeah, and they said that it was supposed to be easy. So everything is an add-on, add-on, add-on. So I am a pensioner, so it's it, 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 you know it's oranges. And so when we, the all en- we want to cover. when the engineer came out and took a look at it, did he say he did. to you, "I can't fix this"? No, he said there's no problem in the house. So he went out and he looked somewhere else. And then he came back and he said, "Oh, I think there's up somewhere else." He said, and he took the instrument that he left checking my one and went and that was that so then we went up to Holly Hill and they have a place up there but they don't they don't deal with customers customers it's all over the phone but you don't have a phone even to ring them no and then they, on, on, under under spiel under um, their uh, answering machine they say get on to your broadband and we have pages here there and everywhere that you can contact and shall we have nothing nothing yeah, how how can you check online when you, when you don't have yeah. have on online? Okay, absolutely. That's that is, and you're not in. You're in. You're actually in the in Blackpool. You're not in a very I'm isolated in, rural area. No, I'm, in, no, I'm not I'm in Blackpool. And nobody else around you has a problem with with their phone, have I they? I think my neighbour does have a problem, but she's gone on holidays, so you can't check. But your biggest problem is your children live overseas. That's correct. Two girls in Canada separately. And one girl is not well. And then there's a girl in Manchester. I can only give her a message every now and then. And then she was phoning me and it cost her 70 quid just for, the, for a week for phoning me. It's absolutely ridiculous. She, she was ringing you on a mobile, was it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And would you ring them very often, John? Oh, yeah. I, I, I spend my time at the table waiting. It'll be 20 minutes now before because there's Oranges, storms, and all this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you do you miss them? Oh God, it's ridiculous. And we talk to the kids, so we 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 FaceTime the kids, and we can't do it. Ah, that's just yeah. It's it's and it's awful when something like that, something that you rely on so much to stay in contact with family, and it's taken away from you. And a it's month is grand, a in grandkids, and we can't contact them. And a month is a long time. It's a oh, long time. Uh, come on. OK, we're going to get on to air on your behalf. I know John Paul has all of the details, so fingers crossed. I wouldn't we can... hold my breath. I know. Well, we'll try. We'll try. Right. We're looking for, we keep doing these, we're looking for miracles. So we need, we need an air miracle for you today. All right. OK, we're, we're putting it out there. It's a miracle is what we need for John in Blackpool. OK, mind Thanks yourself, John, and we'll keep in contact. God bless. God bless. Bye. That's tough to have no phone, no broadband and no TV for a month. That's, uh, and 
and, and it is difficult when you have loved ones living away and you're so reliant on talking with them and, you know, keeping up to date with them. I mean, it's, it's difficult enough when children go overseas and the only way you feel connected to them is by talking to them and, and Skype and uh, FaceTime. It's fantastic as you can see that it's pretty grandchildren. You can almost see them growing up on the screen. OK, we will get on to air and see if we can find out what is going on with John in Blackpool. He's not living in the wilds and that there's uh, there's some reasons because it's such a rural area that they can't fix it. 1850 333 103. Lines open. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. Now the one presidential candidate we have spoken to many times in the past is Senator Joan Freeman who has spoken, uh, joined us to discuss Pieta House and the darkness into light walks. So this morning Senator Joan Freeman joins me to discuss why people should vote for her on October 26th. Good morning to you Joan. Good morning Patricia, uh, great to talk well, to you Well you're, you're welcome to the programme. How is the campaign going so far? Yeah, it's it's look. I tell you, believe it or not, I'm really, really enjoy, really, really enjoying it because I'm seeing things, meeting people that I probably wouldn't have met or seen before. Um, I'm going up and down the country, north and south, east and west, and it, it's it's incredible. I mean, I've I've gone to so many different and uh, new initiatives um, that that are jaw-breakingly amazing. Um, so I've been given that opportunity, and that's why I'm enjoying it. The other bit, the interviews and the and the, the cross examining and all that sort of thing, I'm taking my stride. <laughs> uh, have you? I, I don't. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. The Red Sea Paddy Power poll is out this morning, uh, showing Michael De Higgins with seventy percent of the vote. Well, the good news is both myself and Michael De Higgins rose in the poll. Okay. Uh, that's really good news. I, I jumped from second last to third. Now I'm third. Uh, I'm, I'm, but all the other candidates, they dropped their percentage. So that's really good news for me. And as you know, anything can happen in the next two weeks. Well, to ask, talk to Sean Gallagher, says you. OK, well, you, you're talking about going the length and breadth of the country and you're meeting people. What issues are people raising with you on the campaign trail? Do you know, it's extraordinary. And I, do, I don't know if it just seems to be a coincidence, but finally... People are talking openly about mental health. Uh, I mean, even in Hot Press magazine, there's a big, big uh, part, a portion of it dealing with mental health and well-being. And this is what I'm hearing and seeing right across the country. That, that's the first thing. The other thing I'm seeing and recognising, probably for really the first time, is that Dublin lives in a bu- bubble. Not only the government, but but really and truly, Dublin is in a bubble. We have no idea really what's going on in our different counties. And one of the things I've picked up um, is the extraordinary effort of volunteers that the counties are being supported within there. Within, I mean, I was in Drummond League recently, for example, where, do you know, you, you'd want to move there. This is in West Cork. You'd want to move there just because of the attitude of the people there and the, and the, the volunteers. They brought together a mental health programme that covers everything. And these are volunteers who are working there. Um, but but the, even in Limerick, I was in Limerick there recently, 69 people, volunteers, who work for Search and Rescue, not, this is volunteers, not a penny paid by the state, um, who actually put their lives on the line. And this is outside of their work day, their family day, their family life. And yet there are 60 more people on a waiting list wanting to join. Yeah. So these are, these, our country would be on its knees if it 
wasn't for the volunteers and charities around the place. And do you think they're not recognised by the state? No, they're not recognised. It is absolutely, totally and utterly taken for granted. I mean, yesterday I was in Tume, I was with an a, a initiative called the Youth Work, um, Youth Work Ireland, where they are providing uh, services and support for all young people. And they actually go to, they've opened up in places where it is more remote. They were about to close in August, where, and then half a dozen young fellas did a, a fundraising event and has allowed them to continue to work and open until the end of the year. They have begged, they have begged the government for funding, providing a service that nobody else can provide. So I don't, number one, certainly not being recognised. Absolutely not. But I think that we need to rec- not only recognise and appreciate our volunteers, but we need to reward them. I mean, there's a reward system by a president called the Gosh Awards. That needs to be extended. And what that will do will encourage and inspire more people to join, but also to get them to realise that we would be nothing without them. Yeah, because I read in an interview that you said you want the presidency to be less about garden parties and more about being in the community. Yeah, I, I, I have a big thing about communities, Patricia, and you, you probably know that. I mean, I, this isn't the first time I've, I've travelled the length and breadth of the country. I did for Darkness Into Light when, when, when I started it, um, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, the community is so crucial to everything. Um, it has to be as well, you know, if you think about Darkness Into Light, you know, that time 10 years ago, 400 people, uh, you know, gathered in the Phoenix Did Park. the first walk, yeah. The first walk. And this year, 200,000 people. That just shows the power of the people and what they can do and achieve, especially addressing a social issue. So so this was the good news, uh, you know, going around the country. But as far as going going to the RS, bringing people to the RS, of course, of course that will happen. But I would also, I want to be an active, very active president. I want to go to the communities and I want to hear them and I want to support them and to also maybe lead them in areas, you know, that, that they need leading in. And that would tie in with the volunteerism that you're talking about that's and exactly. recognising the, 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 the volunteers. Yeah, that's exactly it. But there, there are a couple of other areas I really want to look at as well. You know, um, you know I, I want to sort of not only build the communities, but value our ageing population. This is something I also feel extremely strong about. You know, every year from this year onwards, there's going to be an additional 20,000 people over the age of 65. And while that means we're hooray, we're living longer, it's great. But we're not valuing our older people. So again, going back to the community bit, I will ask, in fact, I will beseech the older population to come back in with their expertise, with their skills and with their wisdom and help us rebuild communities, which some have fallen down. As we know, the post offices are being removed. You know, the pubs are being removed. The, the areas where people could get together and support each other are slowly but surely um, dwindling. So get back the older pe- population and help, again, help us rebuild the community back in Ireland. And you believe as President of Ireland you would have a role, you would be able to do that because there's been so much talk about, oh, so the President uh, has no powers, he, can't, he or she can't do anything. That's actually a tangible thing that you could do. Absolutely. But also we just need to cast our minds back to Mary McAleese and to Mary Robinson. Look at what they achieved. And, you know, it's really important to, to realise that 
you can become, you can bring your own dimension, you can be the voice or whatever it is that you feel very strongly. And, you know, I really believe that we're in a situation in Ireland now where we need to think of people, we need to think of the social issues, we need to focus on that instead of constantly focusing on the economy. You know, the budget the other day, they said there's another 55 million added to mental health. But we happen to be receiving one of the most, the highest in Europe of, of, of a budget of, of, yeah, a budget for mental health. But that doesn't help that young girl who was interviewed last week on, on um, Morning Ireland, where she said that she's homeless, she's sharing with her mother in the hotel room, and she hates to pull back the blankets in the morning because she knows her day is going to start all over again. The 55 million, how is it going to affect that girl? So we need to absolutely prick the conscience of the government and we can always do that when we come together. Okay, well, we wish you luck at the end of the month, uh, Joan. And as always, we thank you for taking time out to talk to us today. And, And Patricia, can I just say also, thank you to Cork. Thank you to Cork for being the first city... Um, to nominate me uh, as uh, I'm putting my name on the ballot paper. Thank you so much. I'm very, very grateful. Okay, thank you for that, Joan. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Good morning to you. That is Senator Joan Freeman, who is running in the presidential election, which is happening on Friday, the 26th of October. And there are five other candidates, uh, the outgoing president, Michael D. Higgins, Sean Gallagher, Leonie Riada, Gavin Duffy and uh, Peter Casey. And uh, we have extended and sent emails to all of the other candidates. We've now spoken with Sean and Joan, um, but we are hoping to speak with Leonie Riada, Gavin Duffy, Peter Casey and Michael D. Higgins, if and when any of them are available to talk to us. Okay, um, we need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. We do have competitions to do again in the next hour. Spooky Town, another family pass for Spooky Town. Then, of course, when we get our final winner, we'll put the name into the hat and somebody gets their prize upgraded to dinner for four, included with the family pass to Spooky Town at Fota Island Resort. And we'll also look for uh, contestants to take part in our Dano Centre and Maxwell Spa Glen Mallow, celebrating 30 years serving the community. We have gift cards and Maxwell cards to give away. We'll do all that in the next hour. And we'll also go to the movies with Mark and catch up with your calls and comments that will be coming in throughout the morning. Let's take a break though and head to the newsroom. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. You're listening to Cork today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Okay, you can text us now, please, if you want to take part in our Danos Central and Maxall uh, competition. They are celebrating 30 years serving the community in Spa Glen in Mallow. We will take two contestants to air to play our shopping list competition, as we've been doing all week, and whichever listener uh, can recall the the most num- num- the most number of items on my list will win today's prize. So get texting now. We need your name and where you're texting from. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Only by text, please, not by WhatsApp. We need to have it on the text message service. So oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. If you want to play our Dan- Danos Centra and Maxall competition now, Tina Pisco is a best selling author who has lived in West Cork for over twenty five years and having completed a TEFL course, she's decided to head to northern Greece for five weeks to work with the We Are Here. It's a community centre in a refugee camp in advance of her trip. Uh, Tina Pisco uh, joins me on the programme. Good afternoon to you, Tina. 
Hello there. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Have you ever done anything like this before? And if not, why have you decided to do it now? Well, I've never done anything quite as uh, committed, if you like, you know, because it is five weeks and it's travelling somewhere. Um, I've always been somewhat involved in community, local community things. And in the last few years, I've, I've uh, gotten to know a lot of people in our own direct provision centre here in Clonakilty. So in a sense, uh, I have had some contact, you know, with asylum seekers and refugees. And then as a creative writing teacher, I've also been in the Kinsale Direct Provision Center and in various other places, you know. But um, second question, why, why, why haven't I done this before? What was the second question? Or why no, no, I, I was just, I was just wondering, had you ever done it before? And 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 nothing of this scale. Not, not, nothing on this scale. So, no, because, ha- Patricia, I, I had four daughters. Okay. <laughs> so it was. It really wasn't in the cards to go anywhere for three or four or five weeks. You know. Before, you know. And it's like, it, it, it's, just, it's a big commitment, five weeks. Um, oh. how, uh, how did you discover it's the, the Nikavala camp where you're going to be working for the five weeks? How did you discover well, them? What happened is that uh, I felt I wanted to take uh, perhaps my, uh, my, it's not really my life in a different direction because as I said, I've always had this sideline, if you like, in activism and community, um, in, you know, local community projects. I, I was very active in the repeal the eighth in with Cork, you know. So I kind of sat down and thought, what would I like to do now? And I thought I, I would like to work more with NGOs and that sort of human rights um, people and found that though I have a, a lot of uh, skills, I don't have much real, you know, record of experience. So I thought I'd like to do that, and um, I thought that teaching English, you know, doing something practical was a better way to to uh, use my skills. So I took the TEFL course, and then I started just applying to a bunch of places. Uh, and so really the, the we are here is because they came back and said, yep, uh, we want you and we want you <laughs> at the dates that I was available. Co- co- come on over and tell me about We Are Here. This I, I saw a little video that you posted up yeah. on, online. Um, t- tell us about the place. There's about 10, 10 volunteers on the ground. Uh, I'd say I'm probably going to be the oldest there by a long stretch. <laughs> you bring <laughs> with you a wealth of experience. That's what they'll yeah, need. Yeah, I think it's well. I think it's also an advantage. Uh, you know, in 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 the in the camp. Uh, they were they were started by um, a young woman called Eliza, and basically the Nea Kavala camp came about, first of all, when Macedonia closed its borders. So people got stuck. We're only about 20 kilometers from the Macedonian border, right at the top of Greece. Um, so there was a bunch of people there. Uh, they slowly started relocated, you know, being relocated. But two years ago, uh, if you recall, the EU said if anybody is in Greece or Turkey, they've got to stay there. Yeah. So this then created a problem down in the island. I'll tell you honestly, originally I wanted to go to Lesbos because a good friend of mine, Kathy Sharma, here in Clonakilty, has had uh, a lot of uh, contact with uh, refugees in Lesbos and NGOs in Lesbos. But the situation there at the arrival point, if you like, uh, has gotten so bad that all the NGOs like we are here who provide education, recreation, you know, all of that, they're gone. 
and it's just frontline. I mean, Lesbos, uh, the camp there um, could cater for 3,000. They're up to 10,000, you can imagine. And and really, it was uh, both, really, honestly, it was too dangerous. And and my skills were not necessary there, you know. Yeah, because I was told, I was chatting to a friend of mine yesterday and I mentioned, uh, because I I was was doing some research in advance of of, of my chat with you. And I mentioned that you were going to be joining me on the programme and and that you were going out to one of the refugee camps. and, uh, And she said... I didn't know there was still a, a refugees in Greece. The media, oh. the media spotlight has gone c- c- completely off it. Yes, yes. And, and uh, there have been in the last month a little bit about those arrival points, you know, because people are not being relocated fast enough, but people are still arriving. I mean, you could have 200 people arriving in a day, you know. Uh, so little by little, those people are being relocated elsewhere in Greece because they have to stay in Greece. And now Kavala is one of those places. So, for example, they were down to about 400 people this summer. Now they're back up to about 900. Um, And they uh, will represent a lot of different countries, I imagine. Amazing. I am absolutely astounded because I expected, of course, to see people from the Middle East, Iraq, Syria, uh, and uh, Afghanistan. But we also have a lot of people from Africa. So they arrived down into the islands and they couldn't move on so they've been relocated up in uh, northern Greece. So the Congo, Nigeria, uh, all of those countries that are experiencing either conflict or uh, drought or a combination of both. You know? And men, women and sadly yeah, of all families. and children. Yeah. yeah, families. I don't know yeah. because until I get on the ground I don't know if there are any like uh, unaccompanied minors uh, but now Cavalli is, is, is well established, if you like, uh, compared to the mess down in, in, in Lesbos. Lesbos yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, if you see the video, you can see uh, their containers. They used to have tents, but now they have these containers that uh, uh, have been uh, adapted for living, you know. Uh, and then there are various NGOs. Uh, we Are Here is not the only NGO there. There's a bunch of them. Which is good. Their, their because, you know, the, the, these people have ended up in Greece because they, they want a better life. Oh, yeah. Oh, and some of them are, are, are fleeing, um, you know, actual real uh, violence mm. and, 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 uh, and have safety issues. I mean, uh, there's a lovely family here in Kwanakilti that I've gotten to know who thankfully got their papers and uh, are now, you know, in, in Klon. In, in their own house with their children. But uh, he, he was someone who had a PhD in, in chemistry from Manchester University. He's from northern Iraq. And, um, you know, they, they basically, his friends were saying, you, you have to leave, you know. They're Kurdish, you know. Uh, so they, they left, thankfully, before anything really bad happened to them. But uh, his friends uh, had been uh, beaten up or threatened. Uh, so it can be quite, you know, it, 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 people sometimes think that they're they're fleeing, you know, bombs. Some people are. Um, people from Africa are, are, are fleeing. Um, they're, you know, it, they're, they're called rebels, but they could just as well be called criminal gangs, you know. Uh, so and yeah. I think the problem is, I think this is the big, the big problem that's going to face us because, jeez, um, we saw the storm last night. <laughs> And as climate change uh, accelerates, 
uh, we're going to see a lot more immigration, uh, not just because of war and conflict, but also because of some of the uh, issues that climate change... Uh, yeah, is, and, is, and, and economic refugees. Let's be honest, well, our Irish people have been economic refugees over the years we left these shores. The thing is, what's an economic refugee? I mean, is somebody in the 80s who left Cork because the Ford plant closed down? That's an economic refugee. Yeah. Is somebody who was starving uh, during the famine... Is not uh, an economic refugee. Economic, you know, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know like what you're saying. Term, yeah, you know? yeah, and and there's there's always a very negative connotation about an economic uh, refugee. Yeah, there's I nothing wrong with wanting it, a better really. life. Yeah. Um, okay, how are you? How are you funding the trip, Tina? Well, I'm funding my own costs, which uh, are actually very low. You know, uh, there's the plane ticket, and and my my wonderful dad actually paid for the plane ticket. Well done. Uh, yeah. And then the way they work there is uh, it's 250 euro for the month. They have a house, and so all the volunteers live in the same house in the town. There's a little town called Polycastro. Just uh, the camp is outside about 20 minutes by car outside of town. Um, and then we all chip in for food. So that, that's my cost covered. But what I did do is start a GoFundMe um, campaign to uh, raise funds, I'm going to be working in the women's space. So this is a space that we are here created uh, for women in the camp where they can go and they can relax and they can uh, have activities, they can feel safe. And what, uh, over the years, what they want is to learn English. So in the morning there's English classes, and in the afternoon, then it's open to all sorts of activities uh, that they might uh, enjoy or want, or things they might want to learn. Uh, we are here, oh, that's what they do. They're a community center and recreation. So they take care of the under fours, so the, the children who aren't going to school. Uh, they provide English lessons for adults as well. Mainly men attend that, so some of the women were a little, you know, less inclined, which is why the women's space is now offering English lessons. And they also do things like um, they have instruments, as you saw in the video. So somebody can learn how to play the guitar or play the keyboard or, you know, they, they, they might have cooking. They have uh, movie nights. They organize uh, film, films to be projected. They have, uh, uh, you know, recreational activities. Yeah, try, try to... Thing. Boredom is the worst boredom. thing. And it's and, trying and to keep things as normal as possible. And that's the same problem here. I mean... In direct provision, you know, uh, when you have one bedroom that you're either sharing with people or your entire family is in this one bedroom uh, and you have nothing to do all day, uh, you know, you, you, you know yourself. You start worrying and wallowing and, you know, getting very negative thoughts. Okay, so, so you're, you're, for you're, mental health. you're heading off on Monday? I'm heading off. Monday. Five o'clock in the morning, Patrick Key on the air coach okay. up to Dublin. <laughs> All right, and you're away for for a month. What are you? Is there anything you're nervous about? Is there anything you're fearful about? I am a little bit. I mean, uh, first of all, when I said I was going to spend most of the month of October in Greece, of course, you know, the first thing that springs to mind is, oh, that'll be great. I'll get away from the Irish weather. <laughs> <laughs> but we're way up north, so. Uh, uh, the weather can turn. As right now, it's actually a nice balmy, about 24 degrees. But in about three weeks' time, it could suddenly uh, get very cold. Very cold, it's yeah. very barren, so windy. 
you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess it, it's something new, and, and so that's always a little bit, uh, you can be a little bit wary. Um, but uh, I, 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 it's an adventure as well. And these people also, they're well-established, and you have, you know, you're not on your own. Do you think it will inspire you to write about it when you come back? I hope so. Mm. Yes, I do think so, definitely. And I'll definitely be writing about that sort of thing. Um, in my uh, last uh, short story collection, funnily enough, I'll, I'll send you a, a link to the story. I, I wrote a number of stories that had to do with displaced people, so it was on my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, well done. Uh, well done. It's, it is it is very brave of you. Very brave of you. Will you co- when you come back, will you come back on to us and, and we, might have, we might have a chat about how, how you get on. I, I'd love definitely, to. No, and I'll the other thing, I know in my introduction I said you've been living in, in, in Clonakilty in Westcote for over 25 years, I, but I can still detect an accent. Is that an, Ameri- oh, an, an American accent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never managed to lose that. Where, what part of the States? My dad is from New York. I was actually born in Spain, and I've lived in Europe all my life. And funnily enough, I live here in Ireland. My nationality is I'm Belgian. (laughs) Belgian living in Clonakilty with an American accent. I understand (laughs) displaced people. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. Okay, listen, uh, good luck on the trip, uh, Tina. And we look forward to talking to you when you come back. Okay, thank you. All right, God bless. Take care. That is uh, Tina Pisco joining us from Clonakilty in advance of her trip to the to work with the refugees in uh, Greece. It's a brave, brave move, and uh, we certainly wish her luck with it. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. The C one zero three Cork Diary with Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Pink Ribbon Day in aid of breast cancer awareness is on today. Ribbon sellers, bless their hearts, they must be drowned. They are collecting at venues throughout Cork City and County. Keep a lookout for them, please. It's a, not the best day to be out collecting. Your support will be gratefully uh, appreciated. I know we had some calls in about this earlier. The Mallow fundraising event, Stars in Your Eyes, going ahead tonight. Proceeds this year going to the Cope Foundation and my canine companion. The event is taking place in the Arches Bar in Mallow and it is going ahead uh, tonight. Cork University Maternity Hospital are holding its 10th annual service of remembrance tonight, half past seven in the Sacred Heart Church on the Western Road in Cork. The Pregnancy Loss and Bereavement Team at CUMH warmly welcomes all parents and families who have experienced the end of a pregnancy or the death of a baby through miscarriage, stillbirth, neonatal and uh, infant death. The Irish Community Air Ambulance, they're holding a fundraising dance in the Bearer Coast Hotel tonight. Dancing is from 9.30 to 12. Doors open at 9. Music by Katrina. Tickets are at tenner and they're available at the uh, door. The fashion show in Colin Community Centre tonight is completely sold out. In Clyde Rovers, Lotto Draw. That's taking place tonight in Derry Murphy's Bar in Ballinamona, and the jackpot there is twelve and a half thousand euro. I've also by text been asked to wish the best of luck to all the Kilbritton Faroiga Club. They are taking part in this year's Focus Ireland Shine a Light Night. They will be spending the night in Kilbritton Hall. Members and leaders can be sponsored. A collection buckets are also in local businesses. Uh, good luck to all involved uh, there. And of course, don't forget, and it is 
completely sold out. Uh, I'll be going along to MC the Health and Wellbeing Night, which is on the Monster Arms Hotel tonight. It's been organised by the Banding Co-op and the National Dairy Council. And we're going to have guest speakers talking about health and well-being, both inside and outside. And then with the second half of the night is going to be a cookery demonstration with the wonderful Dervil O'Rourke. And everybody that attends gets a goodie bag on leaving. And it's a great big fundraiser for the West Cork Rapid Response. Now, the tickets are sold out and have been sold out since about last weekend. Uh, but Kay Crowley of the West Cork Rapid Response was on to me earlier to say that anyone who would really, really, really love to attend, if you turn up early to the hotel, about half past six, you're going to need to get there earlier because some people have bought tickets but have confirmed to Kate that they're not going and they're willing to pass on the tickets. So there will be a very limited number. Now I'm saying very limited number and we are going to do our best to try to accommodate as many people as possible because I know some people were disappointed when they realised that the tickets had sold out so fast. Uh, People were of the belief there would have been tickets available uh, on the night. So you can go along but please get there early if you don't have a ticket. If you do have a ticket turn up at the normal time and looking forward to, to meeting all the crew tonight in the Munster Arms Hotel. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. We've had a competition all this week where we teamed up with Dano Centra and Maxol Spoglen Mallow, celebrating 30 years serving the community. Every day we've been giving away Dano, Dano Centra gift cards cards to the value of 100 euro and also the winner picks up a Dano's 50 euro Maxol gift card. We have a shopping list of items which I have in front of me. I need a contestant. Who do I have? Uh, Mary O'Shea is in Ballygowan in Donnerail. Good afternoon to you Mary. Uh, good afternoon Patricia. Are you blown away in Donnerail? Uh, we're not too bad. It's raining heavy now, but uh, yeah, we we were okay, really. It's yeah. just um, debris a bit around the place, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah I think we can get out. It mm-hmm. was the, the coastal area certainly got it worse. Yes. And this, yeah, thank God. This band of rain that's coming, it's going to, yeah. it's going northwards, so it's it's pushing yes. away from us. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, all right, mm-hmm. I have 20 items on the shopping list. Yeah. Did you hear some of the contestants during the week? So you know I how did, this works. Yeah, okay. they were very good yesterday. Well, so. well, hopefully you'll be as good today. I will read you the 20 <laughs> items. I will set okay. the clock and I will tell you when to go. So listen carefully. Here we go. Mary O'Shea in Donnerwell on the shopping list today. Brown bread, cooked chicken, dried fruit, grapes, flour, sugar, oranges, milk, yogurts, tomatoes, apple juice, Pasta, waffles, lentils, vinegar, raisins, ice cream, hamburgers, queen cakes and noodles. Okay, we've got a 30 second clock. Off you go. Okay, noodles, queen cakes, uh, dried fruit, apples, sugar, um, waffles, um, uh, fish cakes, chicken, uh, cooked meat, um, cheese, lentils. Eggs, uh, uh, cream, milk, uh, toilet rolls, cakes, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, and everything. <laughs> uh, cereal. Uh. You're going through your own shopping list now, Mary. <laughs> I think so, yeah, in my yeah. head, yeah. Okay, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You definitely got nine that was on nine. my shopping list. Okay. And then you got a load that was on your own. So we know, what, know. You're, yeah. we know what you're buying today. Stay there, Mary. Yeah. Uh, and let me go to um, Sheila Scannell is in Mount Rivers in Rylan. Good afternoon to you, Sheila. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. Now, Sheila, it's my shopping list, okay? Not your own that you have to concentrate <laughs> on. For all Mary's all confused. Okay, you have a brand new shopping list and I have 20 items for you, okay? Here, okay. Here's your shopping list. Okay, what do we need you to get? We need ketchup, prawn crackers, coffee, strawberries, washing up liquid, mayonnaise, nutmeg, barbecue sauce, rice, virgin olive oil, oatmeal, tuna, kidney beans, avocados, dental floss, hairspray, garlic, figs, eggs and lamb chops. Okay, we've got a clock. It'll run for 30 seconds. Off you go. Go. Uh, Nutmeg. Uh, can, uh, no. No? Oh. You've done a blank. I've done blank. <laughs> well, you're doing your own shopping list. Do you write it down? Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I can tell you nutmeg was on the list. It was one of the 20 items. Listen, thank you for taking part. It's all about the taking part. Yeah, thanks, thanks for that. Me. Bye bye. Bye bye. Let me go back to Mary O'Shea in Donnerell, who's working on her own shopping list. There you go, Mary. You've won the prize. Thank you very much. You, fabulous. Well, you've got 100 euro now to spend at Dano's yeah. uh, Centre and you can fill up the car to the tune of 50 euro. OK. Oh, massive. Thanks. Very Congratulations much. to oh, you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Mary O'Shea in Ballygown, Donrail, our winner today. And thanks to the gang at Dano's Centre and Maxwell Spa Glen in Mallow. If you're popping into the store. Wish them congratulations because they're celebrating 30 years uh, serving the community. And our thanks. We've had fun uh, doing that competition right across this week. Is it time to do this? Sure, why not? Okay, let me take a look at some of your calls coming in uh, very quickly to the programme. Somebody was on, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this was prompted because I spoke to Joan Freeman, who set up Pieta House. Uh, and Kay was on to say that we often hear negative things about young people and what young people get up to, and they do too much drinking. They do. What's that pinging on me? They do too much drinking, uh, etc. and all of that. Well, she has a story that she wants to share. She said her son was uh, suffering, feeling a little bit down and suffering a little bit from uh, depression. So her son and some of his friends decided one day that they'd go into Pieta House and that they'd do some help for Pieta House. So the son didn't go in to get help for it. He just he knew he was feeling a bit down. But he said, you know, Pieta House, they work with people who are suffering from depression and have suicidal thoughts. He thought maybe I could do something to help other people. So they went in and they offered their services and they ended up cleaning up the place and they did a great big spring clean for them. They also then went on to hold pub quizzes and a couple of other fundraisers and they actually raised a lot of money for Pieta House uh, and it has really helped her son and uh, Kay says we have the greatest respect for Pieta House which is um, it's fantastic yeah I mean it's one thing uh, John Freeman will always be known uh, for is, is setting up Pieta House wonderful wonderful organisation John and Donnery listened to Joan and says uh, Joan Freeman as indeed any of the rest of the presidential candidates can't do anything for health or housing at the end of the day the president of this country has absolutely no power. And a number of people are still annoyed about the cost of the presidential election and the fact that it is going to cost 15 million euro. And
and then I mentioned the Red Sea Paddy Power poll that's out today which shows Michael D. Higgins winning by a landslide and people are saying did we really need a presidential election at all? Uh, Michael says petition newspapers never refuse ink according to the Red Sea poll why, what in the name of God are we having a presidential election for? I know they'll be shouting democracy but thanks to Senator Gerard Crockwell he set the whole country a merry dance he was the one remember who came out and said if nobody else went up against Michael D. Higgins he would stand because he wanted an election. Michael feels he did that for his own publicity. It would cost have cost him an arm and a leg uh, to run. He knew he was never going to run. And news and media drank it hook, line and sinker. Thanking you. Somebody else actually was blaming, um, was saying it was Sinn Féin's fault because Sinn Féin also put forward uh, a candidate. And once you got the candidates, Michael D. Higgins said he would run again. But of course, we could, we only could have uh, we would only have an election uh, if other candidates went up against him, as because it didn't happen with Mary McAleese. Because somebody said, why didn't we have an election second time round for Mary McAleese? Well, that was plain and simple. It was because nobody went up against her. And can I give a mention to the Mercy Care Centre? They've been on. You may be aware of this following decision by Board Planola. Board Planola have refused planning permission to allow the Mercy build a cancer care centre on a site close to the Mercy Hospital. Well, the Mercy have been on to say they want to assure the donors, fundraisers and supporters that they're determined to find a suitable new location for the Mercy Cancer Care Centre as quickly as possible and they want to thank the generosity of donors they've already raised 1.1 million euro to date to build this centre which what they're hoping is it will provide a quiet safe space for patients and families dealing with the trauma of a cancer diagnosis so even though Borplanola have refused planning permission they're not moving away from that idea they are still uh, planning on um, uh, just finding a new, a new, a new place for it, and um, they'll build it then. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, uh, joins me in studio. Afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. You went along to see Johnny English strikes again. I've just seen Mr. Bean uh, <laughs> on the on the on the poster, and uh, the DVD was book club. Okay, let me start with a little trailer from Johnny English strikes again. The country is in a state of chaos. They packed us again, Prime Minister. Tell me the agent you've got is capable of saving us. Oh, for God's sake, English. You are now in the capable hands of Her Majesty's Secret Service. Ow! Till we meet again. Johnny English strikes again. Please don't say Mr Bean is trying to become James Bond. Uh, well, he's done so t- uh, twice already. This is the third Johnny English film. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting, because in the past, he's always been Johnny English, but there is a section. There is a, about a 10-minute piece in this where he takes this drug and he doesn't realise what it's going to do to him. And it just makes him kind of crazily e- energetic. And he turns into Mr Bean, because what he does is he goes to a dance club. Uh, and do you remember the way Mr Bean used to dance? He used yeah, to do this yeah, kind of funny yeah, dance. Yeah. And yeah. basically, Johnny English does that for about a montage of about 10 minutes. And I thought, guys... Come on, you knew what you were doing. You were trying to fill 10 minutes and you decided that's what you're going to do. Everybody loved Mr Bean. And I thought that was a bit naughty because when he was Mr Bean, I mean, Rowan Atkinson is a brilliant physical comedian. I mean, he really is. I watched it upstairs before I came down just to remind me. Did you ever see the Mr Bean episode where he's on the beach and he's trying to change into his swimsuit and he has no tail? One of the classic. That is just brilliant. I mean, that was when Rowan Atkinson, that's, you know. Comic genius. Exactly. You know, it was Buster Keaton. It was Charlie Chaplin. It was that good. Come on, let's face it. You have to. 
to be, you know, you have to face up to it. So the thing about Johnny English is that, of course, it's a James Bond spoof, and there's been two already, and I've, I think I've reviewed both here. I did, not on my radar at all. Uh, yeah, I do, I think I've reviewed yeah. both here. Okay. Can't remember anything about them, and that's yeah. not a good sign. I yeah. do remember that Natalie Imbruglia was in one of them, and there was a lot of running <laughs> up and down stairwells, and that's all I remember. But again, and the thing is, what I do vaguely remember is talking to you about them and saying, yeah, they're all right. And that's the problem with these films. You know, they're, they're small, very gentle kind of uh, movies. They're not particularly funny. Very but forgettable. Okay. Yeah, and that's, the, and that's the thing about them. But because obviously it's Rowan Atkinson, maybe, um, is because he's a huge star all over the world. Because the thing about Mr. Bean, of course, was that he didn't speak. So therefore you could sell it to every territory in the world. And of course they that did. That was the success of it, though, wasn't it? Made huge amounts of money, exactly. Yeah. And as he said in an interview recently, he said, look, I can't go anywhere in the world because everybody recognizes me and everybody knows who I am. So the story here is that um, he is no longer a spy. He's now a geography teacher. And uh, instead of teaching the kids geography, he teaches them how to be spies. And that's kind of interesting and funny uh, to begin with. You know, this kind of little montage of the kids jumping out in and out of kind of cupboards and stuff, trying to be spies. And that's kind of pretty good. Um, MI6 has been hit by a cyber attack. So the identity of all of their spies all over the world has been revealed. So they go, who have we got? Johnny English. Let's go to Johnny English and let's bring him back. And of course, the joke is that he knows nothing about, uh, you know, the, the world of computers. He's old school. And at one stage, you know, they say to him, uh, pick yourself a car. Uh, there's a lot of hybrid cars here. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. I want my Aston Martin. Thank you very much indeed. And he actually drives his own Aston Martin in this film. In yeah. fact, the, the, the car you see is Rowan Atkinson's car. And if you looked at the Mr. Bean films, he's a terrific driver. He's very, very good. Um, because he did all his own stunts and stuff. He in, did, yeah. In, he was a terrific driver. So, yeah. so the car yeah. you see is actually his. Okay. Uh, there's also a scene, for example, where he's handed a pen where he goes, ah, the old flame-throwing pen. And they go, uh, no, sir, that's your pen. <laughs> you know, things are different these days. We do it all differently now. Uh, so he has got to try and find out who has uh, committed this cyber attack uh, and this computer attack against uh, the, the British government. And the thing is, he does so with a load of very, very lame, old-fashioned jokes. And my thing is, is that when I'm Did watching... Did you laugh? It, well, this is it. I smiled, and that's the thing. Yeah. And throughout the whole film, the jokes are so old-fashioned. At the very end of the, the trailer there, you heard it where he said, ah, until we meet again, yeah. and you hear a thud. And basically what he's doing is, do you know when frogmen kind of leap off a boat? They do it backwards. Yeah. And that's what he's doing. He's on this boat, this big, big, uh, exp expensive boat, and he says, ha-ha, until we meet again. And, of course, he, he leaps backwards off the boat onto the lower deck of the boat and you think that joke has been done hundreds yeah, of times before yeah. and it's almost as if the writer sat down and went okay no James Bond spoof has ever been made we've never written a Johnny English film we're just going to write what we think for 90 minutes is going to be funny for people and so the jokes are really old fashioned and we've seen them all, all, you know, all before All before. there's nothing particularly rude in the film and this is the thing I actually like about it because the fact uh, he was interviewed the other day and he said look this is a family film there's you know most comedies these days are all rude and, and vile and disgusting and this this isn't. This is for families. And I think you can bring the kids along to this. And I think the kids will enjoy it. The kids will enjoy seeing Mr. Bean being re really, really silly. It's on the top of the American box office. So wow. it's done really well and it's going to make money. And but the, that's yeah. on the back of Mr. Bean. And that's on. I think so. Yeah, yeah. because these films aren't particularly great. But do you know something? It's uh, 90 minutes of just amusing 
scenes and if you enjoy watching Mr. Bean if you enjoy you watching uh, Rowan Atkinson you will enjoy it it's not that great but look that it's what it is OK mark it out of 10 I still give it a good 6 though 6 out of 10 OK Johnny English strikes again and that's in the cinema now the book club this is one of the ones I didn't get to see at the cinema uh, I keep saying oh, I must um, stream it or get it out on, on DVD mm. um, what what did you make of this this is one where they're reading Fifty Shades of Grey isn't it the yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like if you read the tagline of the film, it says uh, four lifelong friends have their lives forever changed after reading E.L. James' uh, Fifty Shades of Grey in their monthly book club. Okay. So the the women, these are women in their seventies. Although I think in the, in some in their eighties, but I think in the movie, I think they're they're, they're meant, meant to be, to be in, in their sixties. Yeah, sixties. Okay. Uh, so in a, but the, but but what then happens after that? Yes, they all get hot and bothered reading the book and going, oh wow, this is amazing. You know, this is fabulous. We need more sex. Um, but the thing is. is that what then happens on from then on is actually coincidental, you know, and has nothing at all to do with the book. In fact, you okay. know, yeah. I mean, there's a scene where um, uh, what's her name, Mary Steen? No, it's um, I'm trying to find Candice Bergen, Candace, Jane Fonda, uh, James Fonda. Yeah, she, uh, she hooks up with um, her old uh, boyfriend, uh, played by Don Johnson, and that's just a complete coincidence. Um, there's also a scene where uh, Diane Keaton, um, well, she bumps into. Uh, uh, who was it? I, I've got them written down there and I can't find them. I, I, I'm Richard not Richard Dreyfus is in it. Richard Dreyfus is in it. Well, the one thing that when this was advertised, when it was out, I think it was last year, was it earlier this year? It was the lineup of actors. I was thinking, whoa, this. Surely this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's Andy Garcia. There, I found the name. Yes, of course. I can never remember that guy's name. But um, at one stage, they do hook up there. And again, they hook up on a plane uh, in a very kind of um, uh, a Mills and Boone moment where Diane Keaton falls on his lap in the plane and all of a sudden they fall in love and, you know, she tells him his life story. And it's just it's just like, no, 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 I can't have that. Yeah, but the, yeah, you have these four extraordinary actors who have this incredible kind of history of uh, performances uh, playing these incredibly privileged white women who sit around drinking loads of bu- uh, wine and just you know bitching about their lives and uh, and talking about this book and when in reality do you know what was a really really good film is you got these four uh, actors in their 70s and uh, they're all retired and uh, they live in a housing estate somewhere and uh, they're living uh, off their pensions and uh, they're just basically sitting around and they hate the reality of their lives because their kids don't come and see them they can't afford to pay the bills and uh, they're bitching about uh, you know the men in their lives and how, how they ruin their lives that would have been a great great movie instead of this thing which is really cheesy and sentimental and it's just such a, sh- a shame yeah, you know but it's, 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 it's a chick flick isn't it it is very much so yeah, is, is, so. is it deliberately not pitched at somebody like you it's pitched at somebody like me that would get a warm fuzzy feeling and yeah, go oh that's t- lovely but at the same time does, I does should, it end up happy but I'm not going to tell you that but <laughs> it does get very sentimental this, and that's the thing it, and okay. like, the thing is that but I should be able to watch all movies and enjoy them do you oh, know what that's I mean? true, my, my that's sex true. shouldn't really make did any you, difference did your wife watch it see this is the thing I wanted did I wanted to get Damon and uh, Damo and Ivor um, yeah. but, it, but the, 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 the machine that pops out my DVDs didn't have it Okay. so I, I I was going to get the book club and um, and uh, so I got the book club and thinking that she was going to watch it with me but she said she was too tired. Oh so, no. You know, so, <laughs> so I had to watch it on my
my oh, own, uh, which is a, which is a pity. Things you do for this program. I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but look, it's it's all really rather silly, and that's a bit of a shame. And you know, you can't blame the actors for it because you know these are terrific actresses. They really are brilliant at what they do. But the, just the script undermines them because they're just smiling and cheesy, and it's all superficial and silly. And, and I know the the four women loved making it. And that's they the had thing. so much See, fun. That's making the impression it. that I got that yeah. they got this script and they thought, look, you know, at our age, what do we want to do? Do we yeah. want to go back and make the really really heavy heavy emotional stuff? No. Or do you we want to be a bunch of girls where we yeah. can sit around and we can enjoy making a movie? And they probably at our age. drank a load of wine in <laughs> real life making it they, as well. They probably did. There are a couple of very good in jokes, by the way. At one okay. stage, yeah, at one stage, um, uh, Candice Bergen hooks up with Richard Dreyfus in the back of a car, and it's a very uncomfortable scene where they have sex. And uh, afterwards, yeah. uh, she gets a load of texts from him, and it's in the backbench of her car when they have the sex. And uh, she goes, "I'm I'm going to need a bigger backbench," which of course is a reference to Jaws, oh, which right, goes okay. Richard Dreyfus in. Yeah. That's the only time I kind of really enjoyed uh, um, yeah, a scene of the film smile. and smile at that but uh, no I mean look you know how's Jane Fonda looking extraordinary but uh, you'd expect that you know what I mean from Jane Fonda but the reality is I mean if you take an Irish woman at that age and you you know like my wife couldn't watch the film because she was exhausted she's half her age so yeah, you know what I mean I know, and I so it's it's not exactly true to life okay you know? so book club mark it out of ten uh, for one joke four four okay <laughs> for, for for the ladies out there might be it's out on DVD okay Mark thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us that is Mark Malone our movie reviewer can I give you the winners please of our spooky town our final pass has gone to Margaret McSweeney in Bandon and then while I was chatting with Mark there John Paul put all three winners today from Spooky Town and he's drawn out one name who gets their prize topped up with an extra dinner for four at the Photo Island Resort and that is Kathleen Barrett in Carrigadrohat who was the winner in the first hour so congratulations Kathleen Barrett in Carrigadrohat you're also going for dinner at the Photo Island uh, Resort. So that's where I leave you for today if you're heading along to the Munster Arms Hotel for the health and well-being evening I'll be along acting as your MC for the evening looking forward uh, to it. Thanks to John Paul McNamara who produced Nick is with you for the afternoon and we'll be back with you on Monday morning at at 10 o'clock. Mind yourself over the weekend. The weather forecast is pretty wet and miserable. So look after yourselves and each other. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103.